Uh, you were you were talking about this when you sent this one to me. Trump has obviously been he's been in the tech headlines big time recently because of the TikTok stuff. It was the Huawei stuff before that. Then it was the TikTok stuff, TikTok ban, timeline, Microsoft negotiations. It's been a lot developing over there, and. You know, they've un they've unveiled this plan, this clean plan, which we talked about on a previous episode. And it appears that this is going to touch far more companies, far more brands. And, and this could have a, a tremendous impact on the entire segment, the entire uh, technology sphere. Mm -hmm. Because once you go in there and you start saying, hey, we're going to we're going to control these various interactions between brands and for companies and for apps and for hardware you start to look at it a little a little more closely and recognize how intertwined all this stuff actually is mm -hmm. and if you start wiping out certain software companies based in china hardware companies based in china the next question you have is what about the companies that are located elsewhere but have investors from those big brands? In some cases, majority stakes mm -hmm. or large minority stakes. So we've got a list here actually on, uh, on The Verge. Trump's WeChat ban could touch everything from Spotify to League of Legends. And the reason for that is because they talk about Tencent. Tencent, massive mm -hmm. technology company in China, invested in touching so many different brands that you know and love. American brands? Yeah, American brands! Yeah. Let me give you a little list here. Okay. If you don't mind, Will, if you got a second, I'll give you a little list of all of your favorite things that could potentially be touched by this new clean it out program that Trump has signed off on, by the way. Mm -hmm. There's some, it's official. Some, some are suggesting he may there may be a challenge in court for this to, to figure out. I mean, he's using all kinds of emergency measures and acts in order to put this stuff stuff through, uh, sign off on this kind of thing. So the date is the 20th of September. And it currently only seems to target TikTok. But now we talk about WeChat. Mm -hmm. And then we talk about Tencent. And once we talk about Tencent, we talk about Riot Games. Tencent owns 100% of Riot Games, and that's the developer League of Legends. Yes. Well, actually, I was playing that other game the other day. Valorant. You know who makes Valorant well? Riot Games. Yeah, that's right. It's Riot Games. <laughs> I thought I was going to be tired for this episode, and then it just went, it spun all the way around. I took Pumped a- right up. Why? Yeah, I took a few a few sips of flow water. Highly alkaline. Highly alkaline. No caffeine, just alkaline. Tencent is the largest minority owner in Fortnite and Unreal Engine, and uh, that happens to be Epic Games, who, based on their latest round of funding, they got, they're worth billions of dollars. I think it was like $17 billion or something. Tencent owns more than 80% of Supercell. That's the studio behind 
Clash of Clans. I don't know anything about Clash of Clans. It's addicting, apparently. That's what the commercials is a lot. They do a lot of advertising. Yeah, a lot of CG. And and, and you're in the game and you're buying the different progress and you're spending a, bu a bunch of money. And s some of the promoted posts on YouTube, 10 million views, th big numbers. Yeah. Clash of Clans. Tencent publishes the mobile version of PUBG in China, and they own 11% of Bluehole, the PUBG developer. Tencent has single-digit stakes in a number of game studios, including Blizzard, Ubisoft, and Platinum Games. Uh, Tencent is involved in the production of Hollywood movies, including Wonder Woman, Venom, Terminator, and the upcoming Top Gun Maverick. Summer blockbuster. Ready for your... Viewing pleasure. Last year, Tencent struck a $1.5 billion five-year deal with the NBA. <laughs> you ever heard of the NBA? You ever heard of the Toronto Raptors? Shout out Toronto Raptors. Mm -hmm. In the bubble, doing what they got to do, winning games. They're, they're crushing it right now. They're doing all right. They're doing well. Yeah. They're doing all right. Shout out uh, Kyle Lowry putting up numbers. Shout out Fred Van Fleet putting up numbers. Oh, yeah. Well, shout out everybody. Spicy Pascal. Uh, yeah, you see, you that's where you were going to go. I mean, everybody. Oh, yeah. We don't got to name names. The Raptors are a team game. It's a team, yeah. Will. That's what I love about it. So anyways, Tencent's got a piece of everything. 9% stake in Spotify. They got a piece of everything. And what does that piece entail? What do they get out of it? We were talking yesterday about how Facebook is pre-installed on OnePlus devices because they cut a deal. What do they get out of it? Oh, they pre-installed the app. Where's the data go? Who's got the data? What does my state get me? Oh, I want 40% of your company, right? What am I getting? I say, look, you just open up this little, you just give me the key over here. Nobody gets hurt. I don't want to do anything. I just want to know who's playing the game. I want to know uh, where they live. I want to know what they eat for breakfast. No big yeah. deal. No big deal. Then Trump comes along with, with his... Uh, with Pompeo, they get in there and they sniff around. <laughs> Where are those packets gone? I want me some packets. <laughs> Just yeah. imagining Trump sniffing. <laughs> and they're looking for those packets. And if, that's, if any of it is traveling the wrong way, these things may have to be reconfigured. And we don't know how these deals operate. And we don't know what the fallout could be for something like that. But it touches a lot of different things. And, uh, and that's what you get when you're dealing with these mech. There's big, there's some big technology companies, software companies, uh, telcos. And it's amazing when you're in China, Will, we can speak from experience, you and I. You got Tencent. You got Alibaba. You got, who else you got? Huawei. You got Huawei? No, and who's the other one who goes up against Tencent, though? Why am I forgetting Not this? SoftBank. No, SoftBank. Chinese. No, 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 no. Tencent's got a, they got the one tower, the Tencent tower when we were in Shenzhen, and then the other was the, I don't remember. Anyways, we're looking at, we're looking up Tencent competitors. Who goes up against Tencent in China? Oh, uh, oh man, I almost had it right there. Uh, uh, it's so close. It's, yeah, Tencent competitors. Baidu, that's who I was thinking of. They're a search engine, but they... They're like Google? Yeah, they, they end up buying a bunch of stuff in, in Weibo as well, which is like a social media. It's so much going on. Hmm. But anyways, it's all, it's all about the 
Well, they're invested in so many things. It's, it could be gaming, could be software, could be movies. It's a lot of different things. Now, a little bit more on the Trump deal prohibiting transactions with ByteDance beginning September 20th. Can I just say something here? You put a date on it. You put September 20th, and I talked about this in a previous episode. The negotiations go out the window. All the leverage shifts, we'll just wait it out. You're going to get yourself all the way down to zero. We're sitting here just fine if we're Microsoft or whoever we happen to be. Yeah. And there was some speculation. People didn't know how, how serious it was, if it was actually going to go through. This executive order has now been signed with the 45-day 40, deadline. This is the quote. The spread of apps control by the Chinese government continues to threaten the national security, foreign policy, and economy of the United States. The United States must take aggressive action against the owners of TikTok to protect our national security. And a parallel order banned transactions with WeChat, popular texting app in China, with a small user base in the U.S. Can I tell you something about WeChat? What's that? Well, if I'm going to tell you something about WeChat, I'm going to tell you something about a billion people. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's, that's roughly somewhere in that neighborhood, the number of people who use WeChat. Now, for those that are not in China, which is everybody watching this show, <laughs> well, you might be watching in China. I don't know how you got it, but you, VPN. Yeah, you pulled a couple of strings. But for those that are watching from outside of China and who haven't been there, WeChat is everything in China. It's, it's not just a chat app. It's a whole ecosystem inside the app. It's your ID. It's how you pay for things. It's your bank account. Yep. I mean, it's insane. Mm -hmm. It's... Uh, I mean, it's like a, it's like an operating system almost. Mm -hmm. It's like Android just gets you into WeChat and then you do everything in WeChat. Right. Yeah. It's absolutely enormous, and uh, and that's sort of the quiet part on this app, on, the, on in this story, because what can the U.S. really do? The U.S. can't really touch that billion people. They can touch the people who are here, presumably, or in the U.S. I should say who are WeChat users who are trying to chat with their relatives back home mm -hmm. over WeChat, they wipe that one out. That's a bit of a headache. Yes. You would presume. So anyway, that one gets thrown into the mix. Uh, the move comes after months of the escalating tensions. And the efforts are complicated because of the acquisition potential. You have CEOs like Satya Nadella from... Microsoft, who would like to get a deal done prior to this happening, but you know Trump's not making it easy. Mm -hmm. You escalate the thing, you put the stamp on it, you sign the order, you put the date, and you say you want a piece. Yeah. And everybody's sitting there saying, sheesh, my goodness. Mm. So, so uh, you're t this is a tough deal for us. It's a tough deal to get done. Uh, they're using something called the National Emergencies Act and the International Emergency Economic Powers Act. You need these different acts, Will, in order to enable you to do things like this, right? There are protections yeah. within the marketplace so that someone can't come in there, paint with a wide brush, and wipe out companies. So you need these acts that people agree upon to be in there. But then the question becomes, is this the right moment to use the act? Yeah. Or do we want to dispute it? And you know TikTok, well, you know ByteDance wants to, wants to dispute it. Mm -hmm. This is like the Trump card, really. Hey, man. <laughs> no pun intended, but it just seems like it's so aggressive. 
Did you just say that Donald Trump is using a Trump card? Oh, yeah. Wow. I said it. That happened on this show in 2020. What yeah. a time to be alive. All right. This, uh, this writer, Ben Sin on Forbes, thinks that the WeChat ban is going to tank future iPhone sales in China. Okay, this is weird. I don't understand exactly how this is going to go down and what type of pressure Trump can apply to Apple and Apple's operations and businesses within China. We already know the App Store, the iOS App Store in China is not the iOS App Store everywhere else. Mm. There are certain concessions that are made. China picks up the phone and they say, Tim, we don't like this app. Tim says, all right, app's gone. Mm. Can we keep selling iPhones? Apple makes concessions. They get criticized for making those concessions and following whatever protocol takes place there. Hey man, I I'm not I'm not trying to be. Uh, different markets have different rules. China is on the extreme end of the spectrum. Do I? How do I feel about Apple making these concessions? Apple's been like that. Apple does kind of operate within its own world. The the things that matter to Apple. This is the same company who makes the privacy statement everywhere else who says we're in control of everything, we never let anybody near it. But then in China, it feels like it's a different set of rules and you really wonder if you get this exposure to, to these apps that vanish because of the local restrictions and Apple abides by those rules. And then you, you wonder when other requests come through, oh, hey, we need to take a peek at that, whatever it might be, where else do those concessions take place? Mm-hmm. The NBA has taken similar heat, right? So it's a, it's a tough, it's a tough situation here, but I don't actually know what Trump can do in China's market. If WeChat gets banned in the US in the app store, can't Apple just let it live in the app store in China? Mm. Or does that, does it matter where the app data is stored? Like it gets, you see where I'm going here. Mm -hmm. It gets kind of complicated. But if there is some way in which Trump could disrupt the usage of WeChat on, um, on iPhones in China, well then yeah, that would tank the sales of mm -hmm. iPhones in China. Because as you and I mentioned, WeChat is a must when you're in China. There, there, there's, there's somewhere in the neighborhood, somewhere between 900 million and 1.2 billion users of WeChat worldwide, and a billion of them inside of China, and others presumably in surrounding regions and places like the U.S. for that matter. See, TikTok doesn't even doesn't touch that, does it? In terms of usage and functionality, I mean, TikTok is a fun app, but it's not your everything app. You're not making no. payments. You're not. It's not your wallet. Although it is uh, at least Doyen, the Chinese TikTok is uh, pretty big. Like you can shop there. Oh, I'm not saying it's not. It, it has its own ecosystem, I'm but not, not as big as WeChat. I'm yeah. Saying. And for whatever Chinese viewers are watching us, because I'm sure there's got to be one. Yeah. Or somebody who spends part time in China and watching us from elsewhere. You let me know which, what's the more important app, TikTok, Doyen, or WeChat. Because I think it's WeChat, man. When I was in China. Yeah. WeChat, WeChat, WeChat. They, I mean, everyone suggests just download WeChat temporarily just to communicate with everybody you're going to communicate with while you're here. Right. So the only way to get at people. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a big deal, but 
the on Android, you can sideload apps pretty easily. You can put whatever you want on there, whether or not it's in the App Store. Even if Google was to abide by any restriction that Trump put on them to say, anywhere you do business, since you're an American company, Google, we don't want this particular app in the App Store. Let's say it could even work that way, which I don't even know if it could. Mm -hmm. Someone could still just go in and load up WeChat on the side. Right. Easily. No, not a lot of work to it. On the iOS side, without jailbreaking, that's a no-go. Mm-hmm. Not to say people couldn't jailbreak. You'd have a whole marketplace around jailbreaking, but it would it would definitely put a dent in the convenience of picking up an iOS device if this thing could work that way. That suggestion is coming from this writer. I think that would be very hard for, for Trump to have any reach over there. I would think Apple would say, "Who? thanks for, thanks for your opinion, but we're doing business in China here. It's 20% of our business. We're talking about a few dollars. And we're going to have one app store there and we'll have a different app store in the U.S. And now uh, uh, enjoy the rest of your afternoon, yeah. sir. But then that same sir has been pulling Trump cards on everyone. So I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know what he could do. Yeah. Even domestically to hurt a company who didn't abide by whatever his advice happened to be. Then there's a le- an election coming up, which could obviously skew a lot of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Zuckerberg doesn't like the TikTok ban. And at first, at first glance, you may you may think to yourself, he should love it. These are all users he's trying to gobble up, right? He's got the Instagram Reels product, yep. And he wasn't happy about billion people or whatever it was using TikTok. They weren't using Facebook products when they were on TikTok. Mm-hmm. He didn't have a piece of TikTok, as far as I know. But then he comes out in this latest meeting and says he's really worried about the possible TikTok ban. Uh, the exact quote here: "It's a really bad long-term precedent." And it needs to be handled with the utmost care and gravity, whatever the solution is. I am really worried. It could very well have long-term consequences in other countries around the world. So what I'm seeing here is maybe, look, your competitors, if let's say he viewed TikTok as a competitor, is also kind of your partner in the sense that the rules and regulations around the world that govern that enterprise could be applied to your own businesses and products. Mm -hmm. And if a retaliation were to take place, there is no Facebook. Facebook's not doing business, very limited business as far as I know in China. But there's a thinking that if these companies are susceptible to local governments in the places that they do business and those local governments take inspiration from some of the stuff that Trump is doing, they could hurt his business too. In some form or the other. Some form or the other. If, if everybody's looking around saying, Trump's just picking and choosing which apps can, can uh, operate in that marketplace, other nations may look at companies like Facebook, say they're too big and we don't like them either. Mm-hmm. And we want to make their life a little more difficult or even go so far as banning them. That hasn't happened to this point as far as, I'm, as far as I know, but I see where he's going with that. Yes. Now, the thing is, you're still making the comment at the point at which it looks inevitable that TikTok's either about to change ownership or get banned. So you weren't saying this like a month ago. You're saying it now when well, the chips are stacked against them since we're using the Trump card, since we're using the uh, card uh, metaphor here, poker. Wow. Yeah. The chips are stacked against them at the moment. And so go. now Zuckerberg can say some nice things. He did not answer 
questions specifically relating to whether or not Facebook was interested in acquiring TikTok. I don't even think it would be approved. I think there would be a lot of people be skeptical and about Facebook making the acquisition because, well, they're so diversified in that in 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 that content area, anyways. Already, so he wouldn't say if there was a negotiation ongoing. I bet there would be. Uh, if they could make it happen, but like I said, I think it would be difficult for Facebook to pull that one off and get all the approvals necessary to do so. But either way, he's critical of uh, he's critical of this action, even though he's picking his words kind of carefully. It needs to be handled with the utmost care and gravity, whatever the solution is, hmm. whatever the solution is, implying maybe he's okay with Microsoft grabbing it. I don't know. Microsoft and Facebook are coming together in one way, though. They are blasting Apple. And they're blasting Apple over that same app store that I was talking about previously. But the, the version of it in the U.S., which very restrictive, very restrictive. I actually saw uh, Luke from Linus Tech Tips complaining about trying to get his app into the app store and the restrictive nature and how difficult it is and how it's a human review, and you don't always necessarily know why your app gets rejected. I saw him tweet about that. Hmm. And he's not alone. Microsoft and Facebook have been trying to get their gaming apps onto iOS, as you would if you were working on mobile gaming apps. And they've been going through all, kind of, all kinds of problems trying to get this stuff launched. Now, you know game streaming is a big business, man. It's, this is a futuristic thing. Uh, we were talking about it with the Galaxy Note launch, how they were teaming up with Microsoft to actually give you a free trial so you could hook up a controller and a clip and have a real Xbox-like experience on your mobile device, mm -hmm. which is nice. Yeah. And, of course, Google's also playing in the space with Stadia. And, of course, Facebook wants a piece of that. They've got a gaming app of their own. And Apple doesn't want to make it easy. They do not want to make it easy for these companies. Now, they're going to likely cite some aspect of their terms and say, this doesn't follow our protocol. Facebook, for example, had to, will we'll nerf the app. Facebook had to take away the immediate playability of certain titles hmm. in order to get approved. Apple didn't want that, citing all kinds of concerns within the terms. Microsoft, on the other, other hand, said, this just kills our app completely. Hmm. And they said, look, we want to work together. We want our cloud-based gaming service to exist on iOS, as you would if you were them. It's a huge installed user base. Right. And tons of potential crossover. Xbox customers and iPhone customers, or iPads for that matter. iPad could make for a really cool display for this type of streaming uh, game streaming experience. And also the time it took to port over the version to iOS and then find out that it's not compatible. A lot of work been put into it. Mm -hmm. And so Apple's been taking scrutiny. That was all the questions in Congress were around the restrictiveness and lack of competitiveness in their own app store whenever apps come along that might be competitive to their own internal apps. And the thing is, Apple has ga a gaming product, right? I mean, it's hard to even remember it because I never used Apple it. Apple Arcade. Apple Arcade. I remember it from the keynote. They want you playing their mobile games. And it's a subscription-based service, is it not? Yeah, because it says try it for free. 
upgrade to start your free trial. But after that, it's a subscription-based service. And they're going to cite something in their terms that doesn't say, we don't want your service because we have a competing service. They'll cite something else, hmm. some security concern. But them, Apple keeping uh, Microsoft and Xbox out of the App Store with their game streaming service, for sure emboldens their own. It makes their own service lack competition, big time competition, right? So it does it does yield some questions in that sense. Now, Microsoft, for their part, they like I said, they're still willing to work together. Here's the statement. Unfortunately, we do not have a path to bring our vision of cloud gaming with Xbox Game Pass Ultimate to gamers on iOS via the Apple App Store. Apple stands alone as the only general purpose platform to deny consumers from cloud, ga cloud gaming and game subscription services like Xbox Game Pass, and it consistently treats gaming apps differently, applying more lenient rules to non-gaming apps, even when they include interactive content. They added that Microsoft was committed to bringing cloud gaming to the iOS platform, so they still want to get it done. They still want to work together. But think about this for a second, Will. For the time being, if you subscribe to Microsoft's uh, Xbox Game Pass service, you can only use it on Android for the time being. Mm -hmm. You think about this for a second. If I'm a, if I'm a heavy gamer, I, I enjoy gaming on mobile, and I want one of the best experiences presumably you're going to be able to get on mobile through a streaming service, which is likely what what Microsoft's going to put out. I'm not I'm not an Apple customer anymore. I got to go to Android. Mm -hmm. That's not good for Apple either. So I think it's best for both parties to get this thing done. Hmm. And I understand these are comp competing things and I understand they got their restrictions and they, there's probably privacy concerns and everything else. But that proposition to a customer, oh, we were protecting your privacy? No, thank you. Not if it's, I can't get this service at all. Not if it's, if I was on Android, I'd be playing my Xbox games right now. Yeah, That's too big of a proposition to hide behind some couple of terms. Mm-hmm. This thing should probably be in the app store. Now, I'm not looking at the code. I don't know what the problems are. And there obviously are some problems. Mm -hmm. But these are those circumstances where it's the flip side of the coin. Apple's got all this control. They control your experience. Everything stays rosy. But then if it goes too far with it, now you start missing out on experiences that you could be having quite easily on Android. Mm -hmm. So it's an interesting development here. We'll see what happens. YouTube is going to stop emailing subscribers next week. And this is probably something you didn't even know. Well, this is a real throwback. Originally, olden days, olden days, YouTube. I've been doing this thing 10 years. 10 years? Celebration? No, I don't know. Maybe it's more than 10 years. I don't even know. I've been doing this thing a long time. Yeah. Long time. Long time coming. And I know change going to come. Yes, it is. And in the old days, the way, I don't know, the way people got notifications, pre-notification, you got your inbox. You got a video notification in your inbox that your your favorite channel had uploaded a video. And I'm, it feels so old-fashioned right now to even say that. Imagine using your inbox for anything. Mm. Who even likes their inbox? Sheesh. It's like Gmail on YouTube kind of thing? It was just, that was how you got a notification. Is that it? You just got an email if a new video went out because your YouTube was connected to your email account. Oh. 
And so you would get this like subscription digest of all the latest videos or oh. you or you would get if it was a channel you watch frequently, you could get email notifications specifically for a channel. Right. Some people love email. Some people claim, you know, email lists and all the rest of this stuff. But email is a nightmare for me. I get absolutely zero warm and fuzzy feelings when I think about email. And it turns out I'm not alone because when it, at least when it comes to YouTube notifications via email, they just, they just released the information. Google just said straight up, or YouTube did, that less than 0.1% of those emails were ever opened. Mm. <laughs> 0.1. Everybody's skipping, scrolling, or leaving, maybe not even accessing their email because they're sick of it. Is so, it because it's automated? There's I think no human touch whatsoever. I just think email has just lost its luster a little bit, man. 2020 email. Yeah. Yeah. Email in 2020, it really feels like snail mail in 2010. It just, I don't know, somebody feels so antiquated about it, writing emails to each other. I understand it's a necessary evil for correspondence and we use it all the time in email in here. But once you've dealt with some nasty inboxes over the years, like myself, I've, I've had some just ugly inboxes. Yeah. Almost permanently. And there's nothing you can do about it. You try to chop away at it and it's, it's impossible, really. You use yeah. all the services. You do the plugins. You remove the spams and your emails get passed around. I don't know. It's just a nasty place to live your life. Yeah, I hear you. For some people. Some people have probably got clean, clean inboxes that they think I'm overreacting. Anyways, uh, YouTube recognized that no one's using email this way anymore. And they said, let's just end this piece of the service. Mm -hmm. So if you have been watching this channel or any channel on YouTube and uh, effectively using the YouTube inbox for your notifications, just be, be aware you're going to have to turn on the alternative forms of notifications because this service is going to be gone completely next week. Your other options for alerts, obviously Android, iOS, and web notifications will let you know if your favorite content is available. Of course, I encourage you to turn on any form of those notifications for this show right here, Lou Later. Hmm. That, that, that initial notification boost that a video gets, well, it affects the performance of the video. Well, so if people drop everything and they say, it's a new, it's a new Lou Later, it's... Willie do and Lou and Otis. And so I just gotta throw it on. I'll just leave it on the table and you know I'm gonna cook dinner right now. There you go. You see? That's how you do it. Yeah. You get it when it's coming in hot. Mm. And uh, just don't expect to get it in your email inbox anymore. Mm. We have a leak here from Mr. Quo, Mr. Apple Leaker. And it's coming via 9 to 5 Mac. Quality problem with the iPhone 12 camera lenses. Non-pro models may go on sale first. Uh, this is such a this is such a insider type of article. Mm. You gotta be really into it when you get to this level of you get you're getting a report out of China from the from the manufacturing plant, assembly plant, that the lenses that are going on to certain iPhones are busted and subpar and and not going to make it. Yeah. It's just so deep. Mm -hmm. You see, the Apple news group, it, it's amazing. Like If this was any other brand, it would never be news. Mm -hmm. But because it's Apple and it's the next iPhone, 
People need to know mm-hmm. what's going on. So anyway, apparently, I believe it was two models, the non-pro models, 5.4 and 6.1 inch, were having issues with the uh, lens coatings on the wide angle lenses. They were cracked. And the problem was spotted during a high temperature, high humidity test designed to ensure that the cameras can cope with use in tropical climates. You got to love it, man. You just picture it in your head, this testing procedure, tropical climates. Don't you remember we were looking in those facilities once upon a time? They had testing measures for all. It's an earthquake room. It's a humidity room. It's a pressure room. It's a drop test room. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a typing, screen typing, input, number of inputs room. Yeah. It's all the rooms. All the rooms. Tornado room, hurricane room. Yeah. They got a room for everything over there. Mm-hmm. And it's really impressive. And that's it's funny that that's what stands out to me. What I like about this report, I like picturing the tropical climate room mm-hmm. and the iPhone sitting in there with their camera lenses cracking after 48 hours of exposure. There's a parrot in there. Oh, you want a real tropical room? Oh, yeah. All right. I like that. Now I can kind of get a real sense for it with the humidity. and It's like a rainforest in there. Yeah. There's like an ocean sound in the background. A couple of coconuts. Man, it sounds fantastic. I could, live, I could live in that testing facility yeah. right there. Tropical, you have to take off your shoes. Tropical room. Yeah. Did you say sand already? There's sand there? Yeah, there's sand. Yeah, IP, some sort of IP rating. Got to be in there. convert your shoes to sandals. And I also, I picture when the lenses crack, everyone scurrying around and they pull it out. No, why do we got suppliers and we got so many of these. Ming-Chi Kuo's just peeking out in the doorway. Ming-Chi's ready to go. The guy texts him right away. He's like, Ming-Chi, the lenses are busted. Here's a photo. He's like, oh, oh, very nice. He's like, all right, I'll bring it to the, (laughs) I'll bring it to the news as I normally do. Well, anyway, this is significant because those two models uh, or the non-pro models, I should say, are the ones that are rumored to come first. It seems most people are agreeing this is going to be some kind of two-stage launch as we had uh, talked about in a previous episode. And and so they got to figure this out. They say they're going to figure it out. They're going to go with a different supplier named Largan. And Largan, their products have passed the test, the same humidity tropical thing, and they're going to boost production to fill the gap. So shout out Largan. Largan's going to be responsible for getting you those, the very first uh, uh, iPhone 12s off the assembly line hmm. with the better coating on the wide angle lens. It's incredible. Man. How many people, it's a lot of people involved. Well, mm-hmm. smartphone goes in your pocket and the lenses don't crack. Uh, some more bad news for Huawei. Hmm. RIP Kirin chips. The uh, Kirin chips were the in-house SOC for Huawei. It's the, you know their version of Qualcomm, Snapdragon, MediaTek, whatever. And they actually had some nice performing stuff hmm. over the years. But the problem is, well, the problem is well known. The problem is the restrictions and how they can interact with other companies. Because you're going to need somebody like, oh, I don't know, TSMC. In Taiwan, you're going to need to have a little inter- interaction with them. You want to bring out your Kirin stuff. Mm. And TSMC, based in Taiwan, has agreed to certain a certain type of behavior around the, the U.S. restrictions on how, on how it can deal with companies like Huawei. And it, can't, it can no longer supply them. 
with the stuff that they need to to uphold this uh, this the, the, these Kirin chips. Now the Kirin chips are part of uh, their own their own subsidiary called High Silicon, and it doesn't necessarily mean that they're no longer going to exist. It's not the end of High Silicon. It just means that the Kirin uh, sub sub brand or the, the Kirin version of the thing is that is no longer going to exist and instead you may have to partner up with somebody like uh well the the rumor here is MediaTek, mm. and you you have to work with them on upcoming phones but the see the problem is the MediaTek stuff was never at least over the years has never been to that same standard mm -hmm. can that change i hear MediaTek's ma uh, making some progress recently that's the word on the street so but, maybe it can get to that level at some point, but for the time being, is 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 certainly a knock to Huawei, and it's coming at a weird time because Huawei actually had good numbers last quarter. China was on the rebound, pandemic rebound first, mm -hmm. pushing Huawei into the number two. Was it number two smartphone maker, or was it number one? I think it was they number one. Beat Samsung. They beat, they beat Samsung. They were having a time shipping the old stuff. Now this doesn't go into effect immediately. There's stuff in the pipeline. Actually, I believe Huawei was about to show off some of their uh, best their best stuff ever. Mate 40. Oh, no. Mate, so Mate 40 is to be powered by the Kirin 1020. You see this? Oh. Huawei has conceded defeat and said that Kirin chips just can't be manufactured any longer. Changdong has termed this as a huge loss for the company and understandably so. TSMC will ship all previous orders of the Kirin 1020. That's the chip that will likely power the upcoming May 40. That chip is based on a 5 nanometer process, the same manufacturing method used for the Qualcomm Snapdragon 875G. You see what I'm saying? This is a big loss for them, Will. Mm. That's what put it on that same level. That's what put it on the Snapdragon level. Uh, it's coming the same process. Mm-hmm. Now you got to go reach out to MediaTek and say, what can we do here? Hmm. The 1020 was supposed to uh, boast a 50% performance gain over the Kirin 990, powering the Mate 30. So huge performance improvement, but it'll be the last ever. Hmm. And uh, so it's a shame for them. I don't know what they're going to be able to figure out. Or maybe the world landscape changes and all of a sudden they call up TSMC and they say, we're back. Right. We want to buy some more stuff. Let's get it done. OnePlus owners can now play PUBG at higher frame rates. It's an exclusive deal. Exclusive. I don't know if you heard me, Will. Exclusive. It's exclusive. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, they had an exclusive. I recall making a video. They had a Fortnite exclusive for 90 FPS. And it was a OnePlus 8 exclusive. And now they got another exclusive. They're making all kinds of interesting marketing decisions. Hmm. OnePlus. And so I guess they pay a few bucks. Or maybe PUBG, you know, I don't know how this partnership works. But so, so many games, so many high-profile titles have frame rates locked. So you can't take advantage of these fast refresh displays and powerful processors on your, on your smartphone. You could go beyond. They're capable of going beyond, but the game locks it off and doesn't let you. Well, not so much anymore. OnePlus confirms PUBG supports 90 FPS gameplay on the OnePlus 7 Pro, OnePlus 7T, and OnePlus 8 series of smartphones. Now, hmm. Will, you might notice you're missing a pretty high-profile OnePlus smartphone in there. 
Any any uh, guesses as to what what that might be? Yeah, the Nord. Is it uh, too early? What was it? Some sort of compatibility issue or something? Yeah, I know what it is, Will. It's that <laughs> subpar chip. It's that 700 series oh, chip. All right. It's not the display. The dis- display is 90 hertz capable. But maybe they did some internal testing and then like, this is a little lag city. Oh. Maybe the thing was just not running smoothly and they said, or maybe the battery was, I, I don't know. I'm guessing it wasn't running smoothly enough for them to, for it to be worthwhile to do it. I recall when I was on the OnePlus 8 series, uh, yeah, regular OnePlus 8, not Pro. And I was doing the Fortnite 90 FPS video. I couldn't have all the settings maxed on an 800 series chip from from Qualcomm. So my guess would be it's a trade-off there. the Your graphics setting and your frame rate setting, just like anywhere else. Mm-hmm. And with the 700 series chip, you probably wouldn't match up too well. You wouldn't take... you Your frame rate would dip to meet the graphics requirement. Right. And then what was the point of unlocking it when you couldn't do it? Mm-hmm. Can't make an announcement. And you go, oh yeah... 90 frames is unlocked, and then you uh, boot up your Nord, throw PUBG on, unlock the 90 frames, and then you're not hitting it. Right. You're getting, still getting 60. Yeah. That's not a good look, so you only unlock it for these ones. Uh, the support for 90 FPS is exclusive to those phones until September 6th. Okay, so this will likely roll out to other manufacturers. They have just secured an exclusive for the time being for basically the next month and it excludes china japan and korea for whatever reason we we don't know uh qualcomm confirmed at the snapdragon 865 reveal that it was working with developers to implement the higher frame rate it's also interested oh yeah okay so this is this is more information about why the 765g in the nord is likely not capable because Qualcomm was super interested in making the 800 series compatible with these higher frame rates. Oh. So anyway, we'll probably see 90 FPS PUBG on other phones with 800 series chips soon. 855, 865, likely. Uh, after this exclusive runs out. In the meantime, OnePlus users can take advantage and have this uh, incredible 90 fps mobile gaming experience get a couple of, uh, extra kills and they're called chicken dinners by the way when you win in oh really yeah and cool? i like to play the bots so yeah. that i can do that uh dr disrespect is back officially back we were watching a little bit of it on youtube mm-hmm. a lot of viewers a lot of uh, members he might he might even still be live live right now i think he's live right now we're Recording right now. Did we hit the, did we He's playing Warzone, obviously. 354,000 thumbs up, 14,000 thumbs down. A lot of changes in Warzone recently, so there's much to catch up on. Why is the chat busted? There's a hat. There's a guy with a hat. Oh, you got the. What is that mascot's name? Is he a chimpanzee holding a hammer? I suppose. So. Anyway, 2.14 million subscribers. I don't know what the peak was. I think it was around half a million concurrent viewers when it first popped off. Mm -hmm. And people were waiting in advance, actually, Mm -hmm. because he had just sort of a graphic and some music playing. And people were already, they were sitting there waiting for a number of hours prior to him going live. What is that live count right now? It's chopped off for me. What's the live watching now? Uh, 200,000. 
200,000. Yeah, so it's fluctuated a little bit, but big numbers for concurrent for live streaming. And he appears to be very happy to be back. Mm -hmm. But apparently he's not going to be exclusive to YouTube. He's going to split his time between YouTube, Facebook, and his own website, oh. which is the Champions Club website. So he's going to diversify stream on a number of platforms. Uh, I don't know w why he made that move. It would appear to me that he got no exclusive deal or didn't want an exclusive deal. Hmm. Maybe he could have had it on YouTube. Maybe YouTube isn't doing that anymore. One thing's for certain, the platform, from a technical perspective, seems to be doing the job. People figured it out. I mean, the chat is broken right now. Maybe if you re refresh the page, we can get the chat back. Or maybe YouTube isn't ready to go. With the, yeah, there we go. We got the chat back. So it appears to be working well, and it appears that users are have transitioned over to it with their memberships and their donations seem to be flying. The chat is flying. People figured it out. They're fine with YouTube. It doesn't mm -hmm. have to be Twitch mm -hmm. by the looks of it. So it's an interesting development anyways because you had Ninja went back to streaming on Twitch, and then after a small little experiment on YouTube, and then... Disrespect is now streaming on YouTube, but he says it's not exclusive. He'll he'll be bouncing around a little bit. And uh, what can I say about it? Well, I guess it's good that he's back. Yeah. Uh, for for everyone who's a fan, they've been sitting around waiting. It's like a month. We still don't have any answers about what happened at Twitch or what the ban was. I don't know if we'll ever have the answers. Hmm. But without the answers, it almost acts as some some kind of promotional mechanism. Yeah, it's added hype. I mean, I'm talking about it, and I wasn't watching him prior to that. And then all of a sudden, I'm reading all these stories. I'm curious. It's very newsworthy, very noteworthy. Mm -hmm. And so, has the whole thing been fabricated by TikTok? I don't know. But yeah, that's right. Yeah, a lot of conspiracy. <laughs> Anyways, if you want to catch him, he's on YouTube now. He'll also be on Facebook and his own site. Go go check it out and uh, whatever. Shout out, Dr. Disrespect, back to streaming after a long layoff. This one is funny. You sent this to me and I knew we couldn't avoid it. Mm. OWC undercuts Apple's Mac Pro reel, wheels with a 199 conversion kit. Uh, it's just, it's kind of comical. There's something funny about all this. I did the video. I was having fun. I was having fun. Is it so bad to have fun? I did an unboxing video of Apple's wheel kit and I was silent and and I had the black gloves on. And it really it is it just is what it pertains what it says that it's going to be. You're yeah. unboxing the Apple wheels. And it's funny how I said nothing in the video but yet everybody had their own interpretations of what it really meant the fact that I had done it. And I love the format. It's just fun. It's just a fun artistic experiment unboxing certain apple products that are just a little bit different <laughs> maybe this product is not all that different but the price tag certainly is different and so it caused a bit of a ruckus i have another ruckus coming up i have another funny similar video to this coming up apple product you can take your guesses what it's about but ow the funnier the funnier part of this is that owc came with an expensive wheel too so they came here to fix the problem, which was a $700 wheel, but they brought a $200 wheel. Hmm. <laughs> Not a $50 wheel, a $200 wheel. Now, their wheel supposedly 
it also premium and maybe even more functional than Apple's wheel because this one you can lock. There's a way to lock it so it doesn't roll around when you don't want it to. There, you can see the lock right there. And the other upside to their wheel is it just clips on. I don't know if it looks as good because you have the, the leg and then the wheel. So it kind of, it probably doesn't look quite as elegant. But Apple's wheel installation is quite extreme. You need a special tool and you have to take your leg off completely. So this one doesn't have the look to it, but it arguably is slightly more functional. But, but again, you have the criticisms here that are su suggesting that $200 wheels are obscene as well. And that's a fair point to be made. But they, I mean, they look half decent. Mm -hmm. They are called the Rover Pro wheels. They're un installed in under two minutes and require no tools. You just screw them onto your Mac Pro's factory feet and tighten them by hand. When you're done moving your computer, removing the wheels can be done in a few minutes as well. They also include wheel stops, wheel stops, Clip to the casters, perfect for tile, laminate, and hardwood floors, so they don't. It doesn't move around. I don't know who this actually applies to. The limited number of Mac Pros that are out there in the world on wheels, but there, it's obviously a market for it. Mm -hmm. And so I'm glad that options exist. It's just funny we have $700 wheels, $200 wheels, and then we have $10 casters that you can get yeah. at ikea or home depot or whatever yeah there's there's wheels wheels at every price for everyone and those are on a markdown right now oh i should mention they're 200 now if you pre-order if you wait until they're in stock they go up to 250 yeah but i'm not trying to honestly I, i'm not hating on owc that's a you're solving something you're doing mm -hmm. something and if you feel you have a a product pe that people are interest are going to be interested in, so go for it. Yeah. And if you feel you're you're filling a gap in the market, you go for it. Well, mm -hmm. you just go for it. I might just uh, unbox it in silence. You never know. There you go. You never know. Uh, Tesla says it, that it's highly likely going to uh, make a that they'll make a smaller Cybertruck for Europe. This is a an article based on an Elon tweet, which is if you follow a site like Electrek. The vast majority of news is coming via Elon tweets. Mm -hmm. And it's cool that he puts the news in the tweets. But this is something that we were thinking about. Many people have talked about ever since the Cybertruck event. How big is it? Where am I going to put this thing? Does it fit in a garage? It's hard to imagine the scale of it. It looks nothing like a typical vehicle. And so you got to kind of uh, imagine it. But then he comes out and says, hey, it's not that big. Look at it next to an F-150 and you see certain pictures and maybe the shape is just deceiving you. It's possible, but it is still a truck and trucks never really took off in Europe because, you know, well, you're in Europe and the streets are small and they got all kinds of emissions things going on. Mm -hmm. And you're certainly not on the countryside. You're not in Texas. I'll no. tell you what, if when you're in Paris, you're not in Texas. When yes. you're in London, you're not in Texas. Hmm. When you're in Madrid, you're not in Texas. Oh. When you're in Brussels, you're not in Texas. Are you sure about that one? That last one? That's right. Okay. Yeah. When you're in Berlin, you're not in Texas. Right. People didn't think I knew cities in Europe, so I had to just let them know. Yeah. When you're in it's Rome, you're not in Texas. Good when you're job. in Milan, you're not in Texas. Yeah. When you're in Amsterdam, you're not in Texas. 
When you're in Stockholm, you're not in Texas. Yeah. When you're in Copenhagen, you're not in Texas. Hmm. No, the show's not over yet. Anyway, so Elon says, look, we want to show you some love in Europe as well. And we know the only way we're going to do it is if we shrink this thing a little bit. But he's been reluctant to shrink it because it's kind of the whole impact of the thing has to do with the scale. And so at first, he was saying, oh, you know what? When, it, when they showed it off, he was saying, we're going to reduce the size by 3%. The center line, line is going to be more level and we're going to lower the windowsill. Hmm. And then he came out after and said, no, nah, we can't do it. Even 3% is too small. It's going to be pretty much the same size as the prototype, the one that we've seen. Now, the one that we've seen is actually not that much bigger than an F-150. But then, Twitter user Lindworm asks Elon Musk on Twitter, can we get a smaller version for Europe? I don't want a Model Y. I want a Cybertruck. Even just a smaller EU version. Hmm. Then, the response from Elon, highly likely down the road. Down the road. You got to like the road part, you see? Yeah. And how he sounds, it's a very dark night. That's right. Yeah. Highly likely down the road. So Europe, you don't have to worry. You, Your Cybertruck dreams may come true. You may get the shrunken Cybertruck you've always wanted to go through those city streets mm. and the narrow roads in the countryside, which... By the way, in defense of European cities with the small streets, those cities go back, man. They go back a number of years. Those are some old cities. It's got some uh, lineage. There. I, I go through, I'm in London. I see the little sign where they put the date on the on the front of it, yeah. how old the pub you're about to go into is, and you're just like, Shh, that pub's older than my entire country. Mm -hmm. The establishment of the country. The the The... the the stamping of the country, mm. not the country. Mm. The country was there. Yeah, People were here. Shout out to them, too. Mm. The Cadillac Lyric is a cool-looking electric vehicle from an American automaker. Established GM Cadillac. Didn't think I'd be saying that. They put a video out. This is the one. This is the premium one, Will. This is, you're going to pay a few dollars for this one. Mm. But check out the front end on this thing. Very futuristic, very elegant. And I, I actually like an upcoming clip here. It's all very nighttime. It's all very moody. That, look at that right there. You go back a few frames. Look at the front end. What's going on with the headlights? Is that the future? Is that Tron? What is it? Mm. So cool. it's got a pretty cool look to it. It's going to be their luxury, full luxury electric crossover it'll go on sale in 2022 it's going to be about the size of a cadillac xt5 and they say there will be some changes in the production version but they're 80 to 85 percent there it'll be able to do 300 miles of driving with a 100 kilowatt battery using their next generation ev platform with the ultium electric powertrain the car maker also said the Lyric is compatible with 150 kilowatt DC fast charging and level two charging rates up to 19 kilowatts. You can get it in rear wheel drive or all wheel drive. That's and they, cool. they say they're going to redefine American luxury. So they say, and they say it in that exact way. 
And if you look at the interior, I think you could admit that's pretty cool and luxurious. Oh, yeah. It's a massive 33-inch single-piece LED across the front dash. Very look how cool that looks. Yeah, man, it wraps all the way around. Wow, and I the symbol in the in the middle of the steering wheel is glowing as well by the looks of it. Hmm. Yeah, scroll to the next image. Let's look through a few of these. It's very low and lean. Mm -hmm. It's hard to make uh, an SUV, a small SUV like that, look cool. Like, mm -hmm. I, 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 people might get mad at me, but I'm just going to say it right now. The Model X doesn't do it for me. No. Have you seen, did you see the Model I've X seen it, yeah. around? It's a little too bu bubbly. It's something about the lines. It just kind of looks too much like a van. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Here, yeah. I don't know. It looks good with the wing with the uh, wing doors yeah. upwards. It looks good like that. But look at the gray one over there, the Wikipedia image. Do you see what I mean? It just yeah. It's very like a, like a turtle. <laughs> it's got like a yeah. And turtles aren't fast, uh, and that thing is insanely fast. It's an incredible vehicle. There's something about the shape of it that just it's it's too curvy and not angular enough for my taste. Hmm. All right, I mean, the Cybertruck is obviously the exact opposite of that. Yeah, and so I really just not. The, I was never the biggest fan of the Model X for that reason. But you go to look at the Lyric, and it, it kind of has something going for it. Will the shape of it? Now, granted, you have these tiny little windows that are have to be squished to create that shape. So I don't know what the interior space probably takes a hit, but it's just got a kind of really cool look to it. So shout out to Cadillac. I love competition in this space. I love the move to the high-tech vehicle. I love the move to the vehicles becoming tech in general. Yes, it's gonna, we're going to have to wait until 2022, but apparently these things can be put together, a lot of it by hand. Very luxurious. I'll be excited to check that out once it actually becomes available. We'll bring it to the new studio, Willie Do. What do you right say? On. What do you say? Let's do it. All right.